angel, there appeared a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Uh, in just a few moments, we're going to have our own heavenly host uh, leading us in worship. Uh, we don't have a screen this morning as we typically do, so the words are in your, uh, or in your worship bulletin if you will follow along. We're going to do a lot of singing this morning. We're going to spend a little bit of time in the Word, uh, and our children are going to help during part of the service lead us. So as we begin to turn our attention to the worship of God, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the, uh, the triumphal announcement that came at the birth of our Lord Jesus, that God was bursting into human history to bring about redemption. And so the angels came and they sang, glory to the King, glory to God. Father, we pray that uh, during this uh, hour of worship, you would draw our hearts to yourself, that you, would, uh, that you would quiet our hearts and also you would fill them with thanksgiving and with joy as we sing. Uh, as we hear again the message of your grace and mercy, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would be glorified in our voices and in our hearts, that you would draw us to yourself, that you would redeem, that you would be glorified. We pray in your name. Amen. Would you please stand with us as we sing?
Today marks the fourth Sunday in Advent. As we have prepared our hearts and our homes for the birth of Jesus, the lighting of the candles have reminded us of hope, peace, joy. And now the fourth candle is lit to remind us of the love that God has for each one of us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 1 John 4.7-10 Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent son, his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Each week we have been reminded to ponder this gift from God and who Jesus really is. In three more days it'll be Christmas. Listen now as we are reminded of the life-changing story of Jesus' birth from Scripture. Merry Christmas.
26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You, are, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am only a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken over the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judah to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged in the house line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time had come for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
families are coming to sit with their parents at this time. shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men whom his favor rests.
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, 
from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called, when he had called together all the chief, people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from the, the exact moment, the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I may too go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of mirth. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route.
Mrs. Doyle and crew, thank you very much for leading us in worship. As our children are coming back to uh, find mom and dad and take their seats, I'm going to ask you to stand and take a minute and greet one another this morning. Mary and Joseph, great job. Couldn't have done it without you. Good job, guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think Joseph was typecast. How are we doing time-wise? Time is Perfect. Was that not outstanding? I thought that was just absolutely wonderful. I, I told Joseph I thought he was typecast, but I, I felt like he could get a, a different role next year if he really wanted one. So Wednesday morning, I was given very specific instructions by Cindy to go to the post office and to purchase two $7 boxes in order to ship uh, stocking stuffers to Katie and Richard, our daughter and son-in-law who live in Hawaii. And so I went to the post office about two in the afternoon when I remembered the specific instructions that I'd been given first thing in the morning. And I walked in and I took my number, it was number 56, and they were waiting on number 35. So I had a little bit of time to wait. And I started walking around the post office looking for something called a $7 box. And uh, they kept getting you know, closer to my number. They got to like 39 and then 41 as I waited for 56. And a postal worker walked by and I said, excuse me, can you tell me where the $7 boxes are? And she said, we don't have $7 boxes. And I said, yes, you do, because my wife says you have $7 boxes. <laughs> And she said, well, what are you trying to do? I said, we're trying to send stocking stuffers to Hawaii. And she said, oh, you want the $15.99 boxes. And I said, I don't really want those, but I guess I have to have them. And she said, yes, you have to have them. And so I, I got the, the $15.99 boxes, and I looked at 56, and they were on like 43. And about 40 minutes later, 30 minutes later, okay, it was probably about 15 minutes later, they finally called number 56. And I go up to the front, and I said, I, I want to buy my two $15.99 boxes. And she said, you can't buy those. I said, what do you mean I can't buy those? My wife said I could buy those, and that woman over there said that these were the boxes that shipped to Hawaii, and she said those are the boxes that shipped to Hawaii. I said, well, why, uh, is there something against me sending boxes to Hawaii? She goes, no, you can't buy those boxes. I said, well, wh what do you mean? She said, you don't understand, sir. And I said, well, clearly I don't understand. 
She said, you just take the box home and you fill it up with whatever you're going to fill it up with. And, and then when you bring it back, then you pay the money. I said, I've been standing here for 35 minutes when all I had to do was walk in and get the boxes and leave. And she said, yes. And I'm saying, Lord, help me be a Christian witness and not get upset. <laughs> and then she said to put the top on. She said, and actually, you don't even have to go, come back. You can just go online and print out your own labels. I said, thank you. <laughs> How many things can go wrong around Christmas time when you're trying to get everything just right? I know a lot of you were collectively holding your breath up here while your children were here, just hoping that, that nothing would, would go wrong because uh, they're, they're dressed up so nicely. And, and I remember some friends of ours in Colorado telling us about uh, the, their, their two children who were in a Christmas play and, and, or a musical like this, and, and the sister is older than the brother, and the little brother is misbehaving. And, and during the whole performance, and the sisters kept trying to get him to settle down, and, and he wouldn't settle down. And so finally she just turned around and she clocked him and knocked him <laughs> off the back of the of the risers, and, and he settled right down. And, um, <laughs> but how many things can go wrong with our plans? You know, God has a plan. Our children were singing about it this morning. Thank you guys for leading us in worship. You were reminding us that God's plan is to bring salvation to mankind through the Lord Jesus. And the question that, that we want to just think about for 10 or 15 minutes this morning is, is, is God successful at that plan? Is it working, or have some things kind of, kind of gotten in the way and, and have thwarted his plan? There's a lot of things that could go wrong, uh, a lot of things that seem to, to maybe uh, stop God from fulfilling his plan of redemption. Is it really going to work? Uh, and I want to pick up where the children left off in Matthew chapter 2 and just read uh, a few verses for him and read verses 12 through 18, and we're going to, we're going to consider the next part of the story this morning, then we'll finish uh, Matthew chapter 2 on Christmas Eve. I'm going I'm to read the last verse that they read, which is verse 12 and then, and then 13 through 18. Hear the word of God. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, the, the wise men being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. We looked at that, that promise last week. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in that region, and all in that region who were two years old or under, according to the time he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children, she refuses to be comforted because they are no more. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Will you pray with me for a moment? Father, we thank you for the promise that is Christmas. Father, we thank you for the joy of this morning as we uh, participated in singing and then listened as our children reminded us the good news of great joy. The newborn king has come into the world. 
And yet, Father, this is a very broken world. It's a very dark world at times. Even when we, we light the trees and we hang the lights and we smile and we offer peaceful greetings to one another, Lord, we know that, that this is still a broken world, that January will, will come and we will be right back at it. And the headlines of next year will mirror the headlines of this year. There will be great challenges uh, in this world. And yet, Lord, you promised to redeem. You promised to save. And sometimes we wonder if maybe something has gotten in the way. Maybe, maybe our own actions are the choices that we make. Maybe uh, the things that governments do or, or people do in, in hatred and in anger. Father, we need to be reminded again this morning that your promises are faithful and true. And they never fail. And sometimes the things that we see are tempting us to believe that they won't, they won't be completed so, Lord, we pray that you would bring us back to that which is unseen, to your glory and your majesty, and the character of your word. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would teach us this morning. Forgive me for my sin. Please don't let me stand in the way of what you want us to know and learn today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what could, could stop God's plan as we read this text this morning? Just a, a couple of observations about that, and maybe you've already picked up on them as you, uh, as you heard the story being read. Uh, the wise men have, have brought their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, and they have now departed, and they've gone back to their own country, and Joseph is awakened in the middle of the night. And he's given this vision by God, and he's saying that, that the, the local magistrate, the king, uh, in this area of Judea, around Jerusalem, that where Bethlehem is situated, is going to try to find Jesus, and he wants to destroy him. He wants to kill him because he wants to remain on the throne. So take the child and take his mother and get up right now and go to Egypt. Now, I don't know if you've ever had that kind of dream. I'm not sure how I would react if I had that kind of dream. I might think about what I ate the night before and wondering if whether it was kind of making me a little nutty or not. But notice Joseph's response. Joseph rises. He gets up. And he takes the child and his mother, and they depart right away. So one of the things that could have gotten in the way is, is a lack of faith on the part of Joseph. Joseph could have said, I'm not quite sure if this is real or not. I'm not quite sure if, the, if God is actually speaking. He could have hesitated. He could have said, you know, let's wait till tomorrow morning. It's better if you're going to start a trip to, to wait until daylight. Who, who strikes out on a, on a donkey or a camel at night? In the middle of the night, it'd be better to wait. In fact, you know, maybe we should, we should go back to Nazareth and say goodbye to our friends and family. He could have hesitated. He could have found all kinds of reasons not to trust God and not to follow God. He could have been confused by God's message. Did God really mean that? He and Mary could have talked it over, and Joseph and Mary could have decided that they didn't really care that much for Egypt, that they'd rather go someplace else. And yet Joseph hears the word of God, and he responds to the Word of God. He trusts God's Word to be true. And that leads me to ask a question for myself this morning and for all of us is, is that the level of my faith? When I read God's Word and God gives me clear direction for my life, do I question it? Do I, do I, do I seek you know, to kind of maybe take it in a different direction? Say, Lord, clearly you didn't mean exactly that. Really you meant this, and, and I'm going to kind of manipulate it and kind of go my own way, which is really not a life of faith at all. It's a life of me controlling what I do, when I do it, and how I do it. And yet God instilled within Joseph the faith to trust him. How's my faith this morning? Is it resting in the promises of God? 
Well, a lack of faith could have gotten in the way, but the second thing that could have gotten in the way is man's rebellion against God. Again, uh, the villain in the story, King Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked, it says in verse 16, by the wise men, he became furious. And he sent, and it's understood, he sent soldiers and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all in that region who were two years old or younger, according to the time he had ascertained from the wise men. Herod hated the notion that somebody else would be king in his place. Now, if you've read anything at all in history, not not just biblical history, but if you've read Roman history, you know that Herod was an arch-villain. Herod was consumed with one thing and one thing only, and that was Herod. Not only did he kill people outside of his family who would possibly be usurpers of his throne, people who would, who would challenge him for the right to rule, but he actually killed one of his own wives and he killed two of his own sons. On Herod's deathbed, the day that he died, he had soldiers already arranged to, to go out into the streets and to gather the leading men of Jerusalem and on the moment of Herod's death, have them slaughtered. That's the kind of person we're dealing with in Matthew chapter 2. This is not a guy that you want to trifle with. This is a person that will at all costs remain in control, no matter who he has to hurt, no matter what, what, he has to, what kind of morality he has to violate. Herod is going to even resort to killing innocent children in order to keep himself on the throne. And where we may live in a, in a country where there isn't a violence against Christianity, we certainly live in a world that is violent towards Christianity. We certainly live in a world where man's rebellion against the the Lord Jesus and his grace and his kingdom are are seen every day. There are brothers and sisters of ours in Christ around the world who are being imprisoned and killed for their faith. And in our country, the notion that Jesus alone is Savior and Lord seems intolerant to many, and if there isn't isn't physical violence, there's certainly uh, intellectual snobbery and, and looking down upon and being highly critical and, and mocking and laughing at anyone who would be so foolish as to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah of God. Perhaps this morning you're discouraged by man's rebellion and you're wondering if God's plan is really going to work its way out, which could lead you to, uh, to despair. If you look at, at verses 17 and 18, after Herod does this despicable, awful uh, action, and kills these children, Matthew brings us back to the fact that God is aware of everything that happens, and that God has a master plan that will not be thwarted. And he says, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet, the prophet who, 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 was, who lived in a time in Israel's history that was extremely sad. He lived in a time when, when the nation of Israel ceased to exist, and, and people were carried off to captivity into Babylon, and he speaks of that, that sorrowful moment in the life of Jeremiah, but also that sorrowful moment in this moment in history. A voice was heard in Ramah, which is the, the area, the region around Bethlehem, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel, who was Jacob's, uh, Jacob's wife, she was the mother of, uh, of Joseph and of Benjamin, so she's considered kind of the mother of the nation of Israel. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted because they are no more. Um, here we have man's, man's evil 
and the ramifications seen in their, in their fullest sense. The, the sadness of this part of the story. And, and the picture in Jeremiah's day was as people were being led out of Jerusalem uh, in shackles and chains, being, captive, uh, being captured by the Babylonians. The road that they walked into captivity on actually went by Rachel's tomb. And Jeremiah saw it in his day and he said, the, the nation of Israel is no more. And you can, all, you can only imagine the brokenness and the hurt and the anguish that those who were the victims of Herod's awful actions felt at that moment. God, where are you? How could you allow this to happen? Why is such an awful person uh, allowed free reign, as it were, to bring about such evil? And yet in all of this, God's promises do not fail. God is going to redeem He saved the Lord Jesus in order that he could not only save these children who were slaughtered, but save you and me. The Lord Jesus was kept safe from Herod's schemes. And ultimately, Herod will pay the price for his sins. Ultimately, he will stand before God and have to to account for those actions. It's like you and I will have to account for the actions of our lives, the attitudes of our lives, the words of our lives. And yet God is a God of redemption. And he sends Jesus into, and, and the child into Egypt in order that he can bring him back out and grow him up so that he could go to the cross for you and for me. The facts are that God's plans will not fail. God will redeem. He will bring about the end of the story. And yet, as we stand together this morning and we read this passage, we could be tempted to, to have a lack of faith in our own lives. We could tempted to to give in to man's rebellion and just kind of sit idly by. Or we could despair of, of hope because of the difficult things that happen in our life. And, and the one point I, I want to make this morning is not, not so much that God keeps his promise, although that's the foundation of the message, but the message is really this. Look at the lives of the Magi. Look at the lives of Joseph and Mary. God actually allowed them to come and partner with him to be part of his plan of redemption. And God does the same thing today. He allows you and me, he invites you and me. If we're disciples of Jesus, he invites us to be part of his plan of redemption. There are people in your life and people in my life that don't know Christ, and God invites us to be part of the message of sharing with them. He gave the wise men gifts in order to provide for Jesus' family. He gave gave Joseph a listening ear and and a willing to be faithful to all that God called him to. And God is speaking into your life today. He's speaking into my life today for his disciples. And he's calling us to partner with him. The gift of Christmas is actually a gift given to you and I, not only for our redemption, but so that we can share it with others. I want to close this morning by uh, reading you just a small snippet out of uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I I read a a snippet out of this a couple weeks ago. I came back to it recently. Uh, There's a scene where... um, well, let me, let me start back up a step. In the country of Narnia, it's always winter but never Christmas. And that's because there's a witch who has, has cast a spell on Narnia. So it's always cold. It's always dreary. It's always snowy. But, but there's never the winter celebration. There's, there's never Christmas. There's never the, the celebration of redemption. And there's a host of characters that are beginning to see the fact that maybe the witch's power is dwindling a little bit. And the, the, the Christ figure in the book, Aslan, is getting closer to Narnia. And as he gets closer, something happens 
this group of, of, uh, of characters are gathered by and they hear a sleigh coming by and they're afraid that it's the witch's sleigh. And they're afraid that she's hunting for them and she wants to destroy them. But then Mr. Beaver comes in and says, didn't I tell you? Uh, she made it always winter, but never Christmas. Didn't I tell you? But look, come and see. And there was a sleigh. And it was reindeer with bells on their harnesses, but they were far bigger than the witch's reindeer. They were not white, but brown. And on the sleigh sat a person whom everyone knew the moment they set eyes on him. He was a huge man in a bright red robe, bright as holly berries, with a hood that had fur inside it and a great white beard that fell like foamy waterfall over his chest. And they go on to, to describe him. And he says to, uh, to the children, he says to the beavers, I've come at last. She has kept me out for a long time, but I've got in at last. Aslan is on the move. The witch's magic is weakening. And now, Father, said Father Christmas, for your presence. And he begins to give out presents to the characters that are there. I'm going to read for you just one present he gives Peter, Adam's son, said Father Christmas. Here, sir, said Peter. These are your presents, was the answer. And they are tools, not toys. The time to use them, perhaps, is near at hand. Bear them well. With these words, he handed Peter a shield and a sword. The shield was the color of silver, and across their ramp, a red lion as bright as a ripe strawberry at the moment when you pick it. The hilt of the sword was gold, and it had a sheath and a sword belt and everything that is needed, and it was just the right size and weight for Peter to use. Peter was silent and solemn as he received these gifts, for he felt they were a very serious kind of present. God has given us a very serious kind of present. He has given us his grace, and he has given us his mercy, and they are gifts but they're gifts to be used. They're gifts to be shared so that others will know this Christ child who has come into the world, the fulfillment of God's promises that will not fail. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that even in the, the brokenness of this story, even in the, the pain of this story, where there's weeping and there's sorrow and there's despair and there's anxiety, your redemption does not fail. Father, we thank you that the ultimate hope on that day was found in the Lord Jesus, just as it is today. Lord, many of us in this room are your disciples. We have put our faith in the Lord Jesus, and we are following him. Lord, I pray for us this morning that you would remind us that these gifts that you have given us, even the gift of Christmas, is not a toy, it's a tool. It's an opportunity to be used to share your grace with others. And Father, for anybody that may be here this morning and doesn't know this great joy, doesn't know this redemption, Father, we pray that today would be a day of salvation. They would put their faith in you and rest in this hope that is found only in the Lord Jesus and in his mercy and in his compassion. We pray in his name. Amen. I'd like to invite you to stand with us as we continue in worship and sing.
goes with Go Tell It on the Mountain, the children need to be in the hallways as their aisles. <laughs> Again, thank you to our children for helping lead in worship. Before the benediction, just a couple of announcements. Uh, Peggy Dimitri really encouraged our friends in Nova Scotia to send us a good tree this year, and they did. And if you would like to get a picture up here, we're gonna, we're, there's going to be donuts and, and refreshments out in the lobby. If you want to grab your family and come up and take a picture for the next half hour or so, please feel free to do that. And uh, hang with me just for a second. Christmas Eve. 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock right back here in the Keating Center. Donuts and milk and coffee out in the lobby and now receive the Lord's benediction, which I gladly offer to you in His name. May the grace and the mercy and the peace of God the Redeemer, whose plan will not fail, indwell you and empower you to serve Him with joy, using all the tools that He has given you to spread His gospel until the day we see Him face to face. Amen. The Lord bless you. Go in peace.